0: Hey Amen, it's exciting to be here tonight. Um, I'm not a Yankees fan, but uh, I do like the Yankees. I know, that's, those are fighting words, right? Um, I wanted to introduce first Fiona and I. Um, we are, uh, a lot of people kind of think that once you're an elder, you're full time. Um, we're full-time in our, in our minds, but we work full-time jobs. And uh, I work as a uh, natural medicine physician, uh, both in Rockland County and in Connecticut. And then Fiona works at uh, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in the pediatric department, going over clinical trials, and uh, making sure that they're doing the right thing at the right time uh, and all the details. So she's really the brains of the outfit. I'm kind of the brawn of the outfit, but my kids are more the brawn than I am. So I'm going to let her share about her kids.
1: Yeah, so we have two boys, obviously. You can see him. Kyle's 27. He lives in San Diego. He did not become a Christian as a teen. he studied the Bible many times. But what we prayed was that our kids wouldn't get baptized till they would love God yes. for the rest of their lives. Amen. So our focus wasn't on baptism, it was on loving God. Amen. Not that there have not been challenges, but um, so then when he was in a college, the church in Greenville, South Carolina, a real small church, didn't have a church leader, and God brought somebody who had played college football in college and it was the perfect person for him who was playing football in college. So God worked that out and then he moved to San Diego because Shane Engel, I don't know if any of you remember him, he used in our teens, they were very close and thank goodness that Shane loved him even in spite of him when he was in high school. <laughs> um, so they're together now again in San Diego and he's an acupuncturist pale. Um, Blake is one month away from graduating from college at Northeastern in Boston. He studied civil engineering. He just passed his fundamentals of engineering exam, and he's applying for jobs in marketing with athletes. So we'll see, and John will laugh at him because he didn't want to plan on staying in Boston, but maybe he will get a job in Boston. In three months. So. Those are our boys. And he became a disciple when he was in ninth grade, having watched all the poor choices that our older son made in high school, and he wanted to avoid those. Wow.
0: Okay, so um, we have a lot more material than we will probably cover tonight. And uh, what we really wanted to focus on, at least for, you know, this time that we're here with you, is um focusing more on our relationship with God focusing more on us as Christians um, in our marriages however I have a lot of information about intimacy and the physical relationship that I have never really talked about but I've got some material so you know maybe if uh, Maurice wants to have a men's night I'd be happy to come back and see yeah I'm not sure about the to the women, but uh, uh, be, happy <laughs> be happy to cover more material in that direction. So I want you to turn your Bibles over to the Book of Acts, and the title of our lesson is, Are You Hiding or Hosting? And what we're going to do is take a look at two married couples in the Book of Acts, two different married couples. And just kind of glean from their example, whether it's good or bad. You know, we can always learn from people who make mistakes. Yes. Yes. Um, sometimes we learn more that way. Yes. And so we don't have to experience it. And we can just learn from their mistakes. So um, let's turn over to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind... No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sephora, also sold a piece of property. Okay, we're going to stop right there. I know that this is a bit of an extreme couple, and I don't want to... uh, you know, kind of look at this from a negative perspective. Um, but I do think that there's some really important concepts and principles for us to learn from from this particular couple. But, you know, this was kind of a special time in the church. They were uh, in need of money to support the people that stayed in Jerusalem to stay in the church and be a part of that church and build it in Jerusalem. And so they were looking for donations and uh, people were selling their lands and bringing the money of the proceeds to the apostles. And, and then the apostles would distribute out as the need was. So um, here we have you know, we have Joseph, who is called Barnabas, who sold the field, gave it to the apostles, and they distributed And then we have this uh, couple named Ananias and Sapphira, who also did the same thing.
1: To be positive,
0: they sold a piece of land and it intended to give it to uh, the apostles to distribute for the needs. Um, Let's keep reading. So, Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so let's think about this for a second. Part of it is, uh, I want to look at this from a positive perspective, that Ananias and Sapphira intended to give this money, but I don't know what money does to certain people. All I can remember is when we bought our first house, and I had a check in my hand for $103,000 for about two seconds before I gave it to uh, the, the owner or the realtor. Um, it felt pretty nice, you know, that was a, lot, a sizable amount of money. But, you know, it was gone before I could really think about anything more to do with it. We were going to buy the house. But, you know, here Ananias gets a sum of money and he decides to hold some back for himself. Um, you know, the temptation was there. I don't know if his intention was this from the beginning or not. We don't know. But we know that when he got that money in his hands, the temptation was there and he held some back. All right. And who else was there watching this? His wife. His wife, right? So with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. But brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So he still intended on giving the rest of the money, um, you know, to the apostles to be distributed. Now the question is, okay, what was wrong with this scenario? I'll be happy to take some hands, some thoughts that you guys have. Like, what do you see wrong with this scenario? Yes? All right. I think, to me, uh, it, it appears to me when I'm looking at he made a promise to, I guess, to the of giving, like to you see, he appears to like renege on some. So I think, like I, I agree with you, I, I think that the idea was there to give the whole thing, but some, along the way it appears to me, and I, I thought the same thing already, that the idea was to help, he made a promise that we would sell property, that everyone else was do it and give the entire amount to help everyone else. But then that changed somehow.
1: What I'm saying is wrong, he made a promise for a certain amount, and then that that
0: amount changed. Yeah, so he made a promise, and
1: he didn't keep his promise. Yes?
0: that? <laughs> I don't know if I can repeat everything that she said. Um, basically, they were giving from the heart, right? I mean, they didn't give from their heart. Yes? Um, the thing I see is that um, like, wife had full
1: knowledge, and she saw him going down a different path,
0: and to do You cannot
1: even like, do something off, but they
0: never say anything. Wrong, so I think that one of the things Yeah, so uh um, the wife saw what happened to with the husband, but didn't say anything uh, with with the husband. All right, let's 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 get into this a little bit more because um, you think about what took place. They were unified in selling the house. Sometimes married couples have an idea, but to get unified on that idea, it takes a while, right? It takes some discussion and negotiation. So these guys were unified in selling this piece of property. So I give them credit for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I w- again, I, I want to believe that they had good intentions. But there were some temptations involved. And uh, Ananias' heart really gets exposed, doesn't it? Alright, so let's, let's keep reading here. Oh, it gets good, right? Verse 3. Then Peter said to Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? did it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out, and buried him. So, what do we learn from this? You know, some things that may have uh, uh, motivated this, you know, in terms of why did Ananias continue to go through the motions of giving the rest of the money, making it look like he's giving the full amount. You notice Peter didn't ask him. He knew it, just like that. Somebody had their quiet time that day. Peter was in touch, and he knew exactly what was going on. Um, But, you know, Ananias wanted to look as generous as Barnabas. He wanted to be noticed. Maybe he wanted to be a Bible talk leader, and he wasn't getting the attention that he he thought he should be getting. And so this was his way of kind of looking a little better, looking good, right? Right? Nobody's ever had that temptation before, right? So, you know, let's think about this. The temptation of wanting to look good as a couple, okay? Not just for yourself, but as a married couple. Because if you're like us, Fiona and I agree on everything. Sorry, that's that's a joke. So, you know, we want to look good as couples, but it's an extension of our relationship with God. And uh, if our motivation is to look good, it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to turn out well. So, you know, the question I have is, how real are you as a couple to each other? And how real are you to the people around you as a couple? Are you talking to people are you really letting them into their li- into your lives? Into your marriage? You know, it's challenging sometimes when people ask you questions that are kind of penetrating and you know, the temptation is to be defensive. But yet, we need exactly that. We need to have our, our marriages wide open and real. Because what, the world sees us, right? The world sees us anyway. But more importantly, Who sees us? God sees us. So we can't lie to God. Ananias thought he could get one over on God. Or, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. You know? I mean, God sees everything. He knows everything. He thought he could actually, you know, do this and get away with it. But I want us to really think about um, our own marriages. And to really think about how real are you with sharing what's going on in your marriage. You know, how real are you about your drinking habits? How real are you about looking on the internet and seeing sites that you shouldn't be visiting? Talk about it. Um, You know, how real are you about the type of speech that you give? Is everything wholesome or are there curse words coming out? How are you when you get angry? How do you treat each other when you're angry? Uh, how about bitterness? Whether it's towards your spouse, or towards work, or towards somebody in the church. Where does that come out? Your spouse sees everything, right? And we can be the same way as Ananias and Sapphira, right? We can cover it up, not say anything, and just keep the, keep the lie going. Keep keep looking good because that's you know we want to look good in the church. You know I, I didn't I didn't come to church because I was in good shape. I came to church because I knew I was lost. And the only way I'm going to stay saved is if I'm open and real and and really uh, opening up my life. Yeah, amen. And opening up our, my life so that I can be trained and and taught to be better. Okay, yeah, I'm 55 years old and I'm still not there yet. I don't even know when that's gonna be. Um, I wanna have Fiona come up and share just a little bit about uh, a time in our marriage where things were a bit of a struggle, not too long ago.
1: So when Blake was in 11th grade, you know, he was gonna be going off to college, and we were doing the Eight Essentials of Marriage, Did you guys do that too? So Mark was teaching a class on loving his wife. I didn't go to church that night because I was really struggling. So we you know, he'd gone to school when our kids were three and seven. And so there were some things that we had I mean, he was there were some semesters he took like thirty eight credits. I mean it was twenty eight credits. It was crazy. You know, so we sort of adopted some habits, you know. I mean, trying to keep the God first and the kingdom and priorities and things like that. So at times, I sort of slipped off the radar to keep everything else going, and it kind of came to a head. So he called Steve Kennard right, I mean, he went in and did the class. He had to tell everybody where I that I wasn't coming because I was you know, having a hard time, and then we, we got with Lee and Lee, we talked, you know, I talked through how I was feeling, and Mark was able to hear it, I had been expressing it for a while, but it was the first time that he really heard it, but, you know, we can't be afraid to be honest and to be real, because that's the only way we can move forward, and sometimes it looks ugly, sometimes it looks really ugly, sometimes it, it makes people think, what are you doing? But we just have to get back and be real and stay with God and He'll pick us back up. You know, thank goodness that you know we can fall down and God wants to pick us back up.
0: That was a really humbling night for me. Um, you know, I prayed that nobody would ask me where Fiona was because she had told me, I'm not going to church, if you're gonna be a hypocrite. And, uh, and I went up to Matt Fridley that night because we were co-teaching the class. And I said, Matt, you're teaching tonight, right? He's like, oh, no, bro, this is you. It's all you. I'm, you got it. And I was like, so then he asked me, where's Fiona? And I said, well, this is what happened. So I told him exactly what took place. And he's like, well, good luck with the class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Matt Fridley for you so after class, I knew, in my heart, I was like, okay, this is no good. Like, I need help. And so I literally went around to the fellowship to ask who could get with us that night to talk. I was not going to let that night go by without getting you know, somebody set up so that we could start talking. And we did get together. And to be honest with you, it was so hard to hear what Fiona had to say. It ripped my heart out. And yeah, yeah, I know that she had been trying to say some things. I just wasn't hearing it. Um, but in front of Stephen Lee, I couldn't, you know, ignore it. I couldn't neglect it. I had to hear it. And you know, some changes needed to be made. And that was the beginning. That was not the end. It didn't stop there. Like we continued to get together with other couples. I was willing to get with whoever. I didn't care if they were just baptized or what. You know, we we're going to get together and start talking to people. Amen. And, um, you know, Matt and Stacy kind of stepped in and they helped us. And then we started helping them. And it was, it was great. You know, it was, we really needed that to, to get us to a different place in our marriage. And we're still talking about, you know, our stuff to other people. Um, but, you know, the question is, do you have those people in your life? You know, there was a time where uh, we didn't have... You know, we were kind of doing our own thing, you know, in the church. Discipleship was like, whoa, I'm not doing that. You know, I've been through that before. It's just too much. But, you know, I think we've come back around. That discipleship can be done in love. It can be done in a sensitive way. Um, We can build those relationships and build trust and really just let everything out. Let that, you know, not have to hold that stuff in. And, and really talk through our stuff. So that we're transparent with each other. God already knows what we're about. So we're not hiding anything from Him. But um, you know, we need to, to uh, you know, work with our pride in that way to, to overcome that. Okay, so I want to talk about something else here. Um, because what happened with Ananias and Sapphira is symbolic for where their spirituality was. You know, so here they, they, they sold this field. Ananias holds back some money. They still give the money to make it look like they gave all the money. Peter finds out, bam. So, Ananias was holding back from who? From God. Now, we are talking about money, and I can't help but talk about money a little bit here, because that's kind of what the story is about. And sometimes money does, like I said before, strange things to our hearts. We want to hold on to it. Um, and you know, special missions contribution is coming up. And I know that there was a challenge that us as elders put before the church to to go beyond what we've been giving. You know, to go uh, uh, ten times what we've been in terms of our, our weekly contribution. I mean, I'll be honest with you, that is overwhelming to me. But, how can I outgive God, right? Mm-hmm. But, it's also about intending and what your intention is to give. And if you intend to give God a certain amount, and when you get it and you hold something back, that is a reflection. Of your faith. That is a reflection of your spirituality. That's a reflection of how much you trust in the Lord. So, again, I want you to think about what are you holding back? And I'm not just talking about financially, but what are you holding back from the church? What are you grabbing onto? Is it time? Is it Getting with a brother that you're not necessarily so happy about getting with? Is it serving? Uh, is it, um, you know, whatever it is, you fill in the blank for you. A lot of us, you know, being a Christian is not comfortable. Jesus said we have to deny ourselves, right? So that just, that's a disclaimer right there. It's not going to be comfortable. It is not something that happens naturally. We have to work at it. And we've got to keep working at it And keep working at it Now, I want you to think about that As a married couple What are you holding back As a married couple How much more can you serve How much more can you give What more can you get your Involvement in To help out It's not about leading I mean, if it were up to me I wouldn't want to lead anything I would just be serving people I have, I'm, I love doing that, and, you know, I'm not necessarily up for, I don't necessarily want to be, you know, on stage, and, you know, that's, that's really not me. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, Larry drags me up there every time we have a big service, it's like, you're coming up, I'm like, I'm not an elder yet, He's like, you're coming up. Um, you know, but I, I'd, I'd rather be a servant, and, and that's really what, that's why we're here. Um, to, to serve and to at least, you know, serve a little bit to help you guys to know us a little better as well. Um, so, the other thing I want to kind of have you think about is, um, what was the outcome of Ananias and Sapphira's marriage? It ended in this chapter, right? What was the outcome? Death. Death? Death? Okay, what was the outcome, the impact on the church? Fear. Why? Because people got it. So Ananias and Sapphira were probably not alone. There were some others that were wavering a bit. And so, you know, they did impact the church in a positive way. But it doesn't have to be that way. True. I mean, you know, God wants to motivate us out of love, not fear. But, you know, he's serious about sin. He's serious about us growing and changing and being the lights of the world. Okay? Alright. So let's go to, let's take a look at another couple. And this is more the positive couple. Um, Acts chapter 18. Acts 18. And I'm just going to read this first part, uh, verses 1 through 4. After this, Paul left Athens, went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So here we have this other couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and they're tent makers. Right? They have a full time job. And, they, and Paul shows up with a resume and wants a job. And so they hire him and they start working together. Now that sounds pretty cool, right? Can you imagine what it's like to work alongside the Apostle Paul? <laughs> what, what are the things you're going to be talking about? Jesus. Probably not very much related to tent making. But very much related to church and serving and all the the things that he's consumed with, right? That's why he was in Corinth. So that's a challenging situation spiritually to have. Have imagine the Apostle Paul at your workplace? Yeah, he'd be a better doctor than me. It would make me crazy. Um, But anyway, you know, they stayed there and they worked with Paul. So we're going to skip down to uh, verse 24, actually verse 23. It says, After spending time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So, you know, we get these blurts of this couple, right? So they're working with Paul, they're working in the church in Corinth. We don't really know much about what they did. But you can see something. There's a pattern here. Let me just ask you, what, what do you see in terms of just what we've read about this, this particular couple? Yes? They their
1: homes.
0: Okay, they open their home.
1: Yeah, I would say they're invited. They allowed all in. They allowed houses. They just
0: allow people into their lives. Right, they allowed people into their lives. But not just anybody. We're talking about spiritual people, People, like giant spiritual people. I want you to think about this, because it's almost like God was training them, getting them prepared for Apollos. We're not talking about, you know, some guy who's kind of young and, you know, a, a strong preacher. We're talking about a guy like Sam Powell. Would you sit down and study the Bible with Sam Powell and adequately, and teach him a little more adequately? Well, if you've been hanging around with the Apostle Paul and some of that stuff is rubbed off on you, you probably would be more willing to do that. right? You would have a little bit more faith. You'd have a little more confidence. Um, but they allowed themselves to be changed enough to be able to sit down with Apollos and share with Apollos, have him in their home, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, and to teach Apollos a more adequate way so that he could impact the church in a much greater way. So you see this couple, they're kind of this, you know, no name couple, but the biggest thing that you see is they're doing what? They're serving and they're working together. They're just together. It's not like, it's, they, their names are in the same sentence. So they're, they invite people into their lives, and they work together. So that's challenging. Um, I'm going to have Fiona share a little bit about um, just uh, the idea of having people in your home.
1: So it's kind of neat. In the Hudson Valley, what we've decided to do is um, the last week of the month, we're having hospitality nights and inviting people into our homes as opposed to having a you know strike Bible talk. And we when we moved to Hudson Valley, we were the we bought the smallest house in our school district so our kids could go to school with other disciples. So we still have the smallest house. <laughs> but um, so and also because Marx his patients in our house, our first floor is a waiting room And our dining room table. So we're good at having dining room, you know, dining room conversation. We're not good at like hanging out in our living room. So part of it is whatever you can do, we have some, thank you, is, um, you know, you might not have a big house, you might not have tons to do, but what you have, God's given you. And so, how are you using that to bring people into your life? If it's just one other couple, if it you can have, you know, we're not the party house. You know, there's bunches of people that are the party house. And amen, I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful to the clean up, you know, at their houses afterwards. But we're the people that can have one or two couples over at a time. We did have singles over. We had 20 singles. We had like card tables and everything. So it's just making the most of the opportunity you have. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a great gourmet. In fact, for years, Mark was the cook in our house. And then when he went to school, I sort of took over. But because I used to be a stress case in the kitchen, you know, like I follow recipes and he used to work in the lab, so he just kind of invents things that we eat. And I took out great, and I'm like, I can't do that. So, but it's just about, are you inviting people in and hosting with what you have? So,
0: I I want to talk about this a little bit more in terms of uh, in in your marriage because having people in your home means that they're going to see you, right? And you're in a position where you've got to give and you're in a position where if you're not on straight with your wife there's tension. It's going to come out. They're going to feel that tension. It might be in the food or you know, they might see it. But, you know, to have people in your home means that you're making that extra effort to be that light, to be real. You know, I, it's, it's, there are times where Fiona and I, we just, we talk to people. We have people in our home and we share about, you know, things that we are struggling with. You know, I don't have to be insecure about it, um, but there's other people that know. But, you know, and and that's what draws the world in, because they don't have that. You know, in the church, we have so many resources. You have friends. You know, there's so many evangelical churches that are 10,000 people, but nobody knows anybody. They don't have relationships like we have. And we have that common denominator that we've all made a decision to make Jesus Lord and to follow Him and to be disciples. That's not what the world has. But we have that. And we can share that, not necessarily, I mean, we can certainly share that vocally, but we can share that with our lives. So, kind of thinking about Ananias and Sapphira, uh, not Ananias, I'm sorry, Aquila and Priscilla, is that, um, you know, kind of the contrast between these two couples is that uh, you see with uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they they helped each other. They built each other up. They pulled each other up spiritually. They were doing more and more things. They were challenging. They were doing more faith things. Whereas Ananias and Sapphira were going the other direction. You know, Ananias was pulling Sapphira down because he's the one that made that choice. We don't necessarily need to talk very long about, you know, uh, you know wives talking to somebody else about your husband. I mean, you just got to get help. And if you're a sister and your husband is sleeping spiritually, I would say first thing to do is start praying second thing to do is start praying together. And the third thing is to start getting help. Um, Fiona and I counsel couples and the first question we ask them, are you guys praying together? Like every day. And you know that we do that every day. Every morning we get up, we pray together. Um, it is not the best time of my day. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth. Fiona wakes up in the morning and her brain is going in eight different directions at 90 miles per second in each direction. And she's like, I'm I'm listening to her brain go, how does she remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, I forgot to pray for my own kids. I mean, I'm just like, you know. But, you know, we still pray together in the morning. It may not be my best time, but at least we're together and we're praying and we're setting the stage for the day that we're going to have, whether we're together or apart. Um, I appreciate your attention. I'm going to uh, cut it off here, but I just want you guys to know that we love the New York Church. We love the Bronx um, you guys have a great spirit. Um, I remember when Hudson Valley was worshiping at Lehman College with you guys, and it was so great. I don't necessarily remember everybody, um, but you know, I, I, I really have in my heart the whole New York church, and so it was a privilege for us to be here tonight just to share a little bit from our lives. I hope that you. Uh,